lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. Got a good show for you today. It is all in sports. You know me, Jake Seeley. Well, hopefully, if you don't, maybe you're coming from a great Eagles reporter guest today. Uh, well, there's a million things he does, but I'll let him, we'll get to him in a minute, and I'll let him explain everything he does because there's a lot, and he's a great guest. I'll tell you, heads up, it's a good show today. It's a lot of Eagles talk, but a lot of good Eagles spin for fantasy purposes, and some other NFC East talk, including some overs and unders. But all that, yeah, we're gonna get to that. Like I said. If you haven't already, go to theathletic.com, front slash, all in sports, get 30% off so you can get the draft kit, you can get the articles, you can get my rankings and projections and everything I talk about on this show, and you can be ready for the fantasy football season. So make sure you're doing that. And then, of course, the fantasy black book is out if you want to go get that as well, give you the player profiles, RPV, which is a great strategy for drafting and all those sorts of good stuff. But as I said, I want to get today's guest. I want to get today's guest because... He is part of the all-in family. Uh, he has a show that's very similar to my name of the show. We're basically going to all-in exception show today, possibly. Maybe that's what we call it. In any case, today's guest is Jeff Mosher. He is the senior writer for the Eagles. He, is, well, you know what? I was going to go through this, and you just told me what I could cover and everything like that, and the podcast <laughs> and all that type of stuff. But I want you to say everything you do first because I'm going to get to the last one that you do. And then explain to everybody how this all came around. So say exactly everything you do and say it exactly. Pretend we're not on the show. Just tell everybody this is where you can find me and all my work. How much time do you normally devote to this podcast? Because if I were to list everything that I'm doing, your listeners might, we might need a half hour. But I'll try to keep it simple. I've been an Eagles reporter for about 15 years. So senior Eagles reporter. I started my own Patreon page, patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher, where I provide daily Eagles coverage. Uh, I'm also a radio host, sports radio host here in the South Jersey, Philadelphia area at 97.3 ESPN. And I'm also the host of two podcasts, an Eagles podcast with Adam Kaplan that we call Inside the Birds and the All In podcast <laughs> with Mike Gill <laughs> and Ryan Rothstein, two co-workers of mine at the um, Atlantic City radio station that I work with. And um, I do a lot of other stuff, too. Uh, I write for the Super Bowl, NFL Super Bowl uh, program, magazine, and uh, freelance. So. Uh, I think that covers pretty much everything. No, it's just people, it's a, it might not be a customer. People who know me know that it's like there's 17 jobs that we all do. So one thing you didn't mention, though, but follow you at Jeff Mosher NFL. So make sure people are following you. Yes, make sure at Jeff Mosher NFL. Yeah. So follow you there. Go to all these pages. Follow you on the Patreon. Listen to all this stuff. But the reason this came about wow. is because <laughs> some of my fans are, I have a few insane fans. We'll just put it that way. Um, we share like, there's that, this yes. one guy who's been trying to set me up with like, famous people like that famous women are just looking for a random you know fantasy analyst to date mm -hmm. like so he like always tries to set me up on twitter that actually happened to be the one that tweeted at us so he tweeted at me and it was like that thinking emoji and it's like oh the all-in podcast which you're now in episode three if i'm correct right we are okay we are. so he's like oh all in i was like yeah okay cool but instead of like a lot of people are like i think he actually sent me a message too he's like yeah you should say something get her shut down i'm like no <laughs> instead of doing that you have your all-in podcast. To, to be fair, this is actually all-in sports, and oh, why not cross-promote? Like, I have 
like people can find out about Jeff. People can find out about me. And it's all in, like if all in, we're happy. We're together. Everybody's I together. I think it's right? a fantastic it's- idea. It shows that we don't have to. Fi- you know, social media brings out the 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 trash in all of us. Sometimes I like to say. <laughs> so the fact that we can all overlook this. My my, my first dabble into copyright infringement, and you're gracious <laughs> enough to have me on the uh, podcast. And we would love to have you on our all in podcast uh, sometime down the road. I appreciate that. And you want to know, Jeff, here, we're, we're the real appeal of like how we can all work together and everything. I'm a Giants fan. Well, actually, let me clarify. People who listen to this podcast know that I am a disfranchised Giants fan who, since the hiring of a certain GM, I have no longer supported the team. So I'm disconnected from the team. But to, to be on with somebody who covers the Eagles as much as you do and to be willing to come on your pod, like I'll just be honest, is like that's something I probably wouldn't have done five years ago. Well, like they said in Ghostbusters, right? Cats and dogs living together, perfect harmony. Who would have thought? <laughs> exactly. So let's talk Eagles because yeah. that's what you do. And uh, the good thing about it is this is very fancy focused, but we talk a lot of main NFL too. The good sure. thing, your, your team has a lot of questions. I mean, there's a lot of questions. And I think a lot of people want answers, obviously. So let's just, we're going to run through, we'll start at the quarterback position. Now, Carson Wentz, major injury. We understand that coming off it. Uh, we also understand a lot of people like myself were very high on Carson Wentz despite coming from the school he did coming out of college because mm-hmm. of the talent around him and the talent we've already seen at the NFL level. What have you been hearing? What have you been seeing? What is your opinion on Carson Wentz to be able to get back to what we thought looked like he was on the trajectory to become a potential top five quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I'd say the big thing, Jake, is that um, you don't worry about the work ethic and coming back from an injury. Uh, He came back from that knee injury last year, you know, ready to go in training. He was actually out in OTAs throwing footballs and doing individual work way faster than anybody expected him to for someone who not only tore the ACL, but also uh, I believe the LCL was uh, needed repair also. And that was in December. So to see him back out last spring throwing practice uh, uh, or practicing was a testament to how hard he works. And now this was different. This was a back injury that he had. Um, He was pretty much good to go by the spring. They were a little extra cautious with him. But the biggest difference you would notice I think most people would notice, even if they're not in this area, is when you see Carson, he he trimmed down. And he, it's not like he was uh, Jared Lorenzen, may he rest in peace, uh, or anything like that. Um, but for the type of style of football that he plays, which is, you know, a lot of people compare him to kind of like a cross between an Aaron Rodgers and maybe an Alex Smith with the mobility, um, he gets out of the pocket really well. His His open field running has always been good, but he's a guy who, as you've seen, invites contact. And he felt that it was he almost took like a Tom Brady approach to being more flexible this offseason, shedding some weight. <laughs> and so he's not this kind of avocado uh, toast chiseled. Diet? Yeah, I'm, I don't know if he's doing that uh, just quite yet. We save that for Gabe Kapler here, our Phillies manager, who, who eats ice cream <laughs> and then spits it out before swallowing so he doesn't get the calories. But um, I, you'll definitely wait, 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 see, is that uh, true? I know. Yeah, I, I figured that was going to be a showstopper. Yeah, Gabe Kapler <laughs> is on record for saying that he eats ice cream, but that you know, Gabe Kapler is like a bodybuilder. He's probably the right. most chiseled manager in all of baseball. And um, yeah, he's on record as saying that he eats ice cream, but spits it out before he swallows, so he doesn't get the full <laughs> impact of the calorie. I, I don't think Carson Wentz is at that level of extremism yet, um, but he is definitely trimmed down and has a different looking physique. It's he's still strong, but I think he's meant he's prepared himself better for that 16-game grind and the type of contact that he takes. 
You, you know what's going to happen? We're going to get well actually tweets from like doctors are going to be like, well, your body still absorbs the sugar while it's in your like that's nobody's going to be listening to the Carson Wentz part. We're just going to get people telling us we're wrong about not absorbing anything. <laughs> eating, spitting out ice cream. <laughs> so, yeah, probably. Um, no one's ever going to confuse some of the managers in baseball or the athletes for being like, you know, a great scientist, but they'll do whatever they think that someone tells them to do to stay in great shape. No, absolutely not. All right, so let's continue with Carson Wentz and keep in the passing game here for a second because Deshaun Jackson's back, which that you know, if I still cared about the Giants, I'd be really (laughs) upset about seeing because (laughs) everybody knows what happens when Deshaun Jackson faces the Giants. But to be honest, from the NFL, from the actual on the field level, you've seen the Eagles for a couple years. They're trying to find. They've been trying to since he left find Deshaun Jackson to replace. They even tried Torrey Smith for a little while there. Uh, the interesting thing last year was, you know, as Nelson Aguilar took a little bit of a step forward, they brought in the Golden Tate and was like, well, that neither of those are guys with the Sean Jackson. And we've seen nothing's really been working efficiently, effectively to the level of to go back to the Sean Jackson days. And of course, now Alshon Jeffrey is there who can't also stay healthy. But going into this season, Sean Jackson is now 32. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been able to stay healthy. Nelson Aguilar has showed a little bit of promise, but has been a little hit or miss here. Like, what is the makeup of the receivers in this game? And mm-hmm. is is it potentially there for Alshon Jeffrey to become what we wanted to see when he came over from the Bears? Is it potential that Deshaun Jackson rebounds and is the more consistent guy that we used to see with the Eagles compared to the past few seasons with the Buccaneers? Right. Well, um, a lot of this is is not about the individual and more about the scheme and the philosophy and Doug Peterson. And you've seen this and, you know, you're seeing it right now in Kansas City. They have so many weapons where they spread the ball around a lot. Uh, that's going to happen here too. You know, like, like take Sammy Watkins. Maybe if he was the number one receiver on a different team and didn't have to compete with, Ty, uh, you know, guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and um, other guys on the team who who catch a lot of passes in that diversified offense, then maybe Watkins would really become that wide receiver that everybody kind of thought he would be years ago. And I think people have expected that out of Alshon in this offense. But there's two things that kind of work against Alshon. And one is that as good as he is, he's never really been – a speed guy who can just separate uh, against anyone. He he separates with his body and physicality, but he does not run past too many people. So he's relies right. on some part of this game. And so as an X receiver in Doug Peterson's offense, he's relegated a lot to slants, digs, um, hitches. You know, he doesn't run a whole lot of routes that are intended to create, you know, 20 yards downfield. The, Nick Foles was special in that he, unlike Carson, he was a little bit more willing to throw the ball up in the air to Alshon 20 yards downfield and just say, go get it. And that's really where Alshon specializes. But Carson's a different kind of guy. He's a little bit more of a surgeon. And I don't think he, he, he hasn't shown it yet that he likes to throw the jump ball, back shoulder type of ball that you'll see other quarterback receiver combinations kind of thrive off. So until it happens, I just don't think that Alshon's going to be that kind of 1,100, 1,200, you know, whatever the numbers that you saw in his best years with the Bears, I don't think are going to be something that you see here. He's still going to be a good receiver, but I wouldn't put him top 10 statistically um, because it's just he doesn't play that kind of role in this offense. To go right. back to your point about the speed, what they showed you in 2017 was just by having Torrey Smith out there is that they don't really need – a speed threat who catches the ball 80 times, uh, you know, like Deshaun actually has done in the past. They just needed Torrey to be able to back those safeties up and create the space for guys like 
Zach Ertz, for guys like Nelson Aguilar, who's a great slot, a good slot receiver, and for Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey. I, I, I was about to say. <laughs> I threw great out there a little bit too quickly. I, I apologize for that. But So they tried to replace Torrey Smith's speed last year by signing Mike Wallace. Well, he got hurt. And then they had another kid who got hurt, and they basically, as you mentioned, had a trade for Golden Tate, who himself is more of a slot receiver. And then they had to have this uneasy marriage between slot receiver Nelson Aguilar and slot receiver Golden Tate. So instead of both of those guys being on the field at the same time, they had to split reps. And if you want to invite the Giants back into the conversation, I wonder how they're thinking that this is going to work between Golden Tate and Sterling (laughs) Shepard. I digress. So, you know, at this point, we just laugh at the Giants. That's what, yes. that's what we do on this show. That's what we do. So to back to the point, the fact that they now have a deep threat who can do what Torrey Smith did, but also catch you know, 40, 50 balls if he stays healthy and get 1,000, 1,100 yards and a few touchdowns, to me, makes this passing offense better than the 2017 one that averaged about 28 points per game. You've got Alshon, you have Zach Ertz, you have Deshaun Jackson, you have Nelson Aguilar, and I'm telling you, if there's an injury or if Doug decides to come up with more of a Patriots um, 2010-type offense where you're focusing it on two tight ends, Dallas Goddard is a really good player. He is a good, good, good player. This is where I was going to go. I'm glad you, you. that's where I was taking you with the next question. So you, you're, you're lockstep with me here. Is, is so Dallas Garter arguably is the best backup tight end in the league. I mean, let's be honest. And mm-hmm. even if you want to say arguably, you want to argue. Let's be, Dallas Goddard on half the other teams is the starting tight end, at least. Right. So there's some people out there and look at the efficiency that he had last year. And I'm going to skew this a little bit more towards fantasy for this purpose uh, mm-hmm. or saying, you know what, just draft them because maybe to your point, they do a little bit more of the Patriots way. Or maybe if Zach Ertz misses a couple games, all of a sudden you have a potential top six or seven tight end on your hands. Are you in that thinking or is it more of just like, hey, they're just going to find a way to make this offense as dangerous as possible. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be pretty if you're thinking fantasy wise. But if you're an Eagles fan, it will be. Yeah, I think he's a good tight end two risk or tight end two three flex guy, uh, you know, as you're bolstering your depth, because you don't even necessarily have to wait for an injury per se to Zach Ertz to see more out of Goddard. Um, Last year, the injuries were at wide receiver and it took Doug Peterson. Doug, Doug's the king of the the three wide formation. He loves three wide, one tight end. A lot of coaches do. Andy Reid does. But last year, they had so many injuries at receiver coming out of camp that they had to play a rookie journeyman uh, uh, DeAndre Carter. They played him 54 snaps against the land in the opener, and he caught like one pass. He had like two targets, and it finally dawned on Doug after that that I just can't put inferior players out there just because they <laughs> play wide receiver. So he switched a week or two later as the injuries were still piling up to a more two tight end offense. So he had Ertz and Goddard out there, and by the end of the year, I think the Eagles played the third most two tight end formations in the league, and that so that got Goddard on the field. And one thing that helped convince Doug was that Goddard was a really good blocker, inline blocker, which he didn't have to do in South Dakota State. So this was kind of a pleasant surprise for them that enabled Doug to get him on the field. Now, the challenge this year is getting Goddard on the field with Ertz and, as I'm mentioning, making it a two tight end offense that you're throwing the ball both to. Don't just use this guy as a blocker. Make him a pass catcher because he's very good at making and creating yards after the catch, at not going down on contact. He's actually a little better at that than Zach Ertz. Ertz is probably a better route runner, but Goddard is somebody who has great hands and has the ability to kind of maintain his balance upon catch so that he doesn't go down immediately 
and makes good yards after the catch. So you don't have to wait, per se, for Ertz to get injured. If there's an injury to Deshaun Jackson, which, to be honest with you, there there is every year. Uh, if there's an injury to Alshon, if there's an injury to Nelson Aguilar, that's any one of those three receivers comes off the field, Doug's probably not going to put a backup receiver on. He's probably just going to put two tight ends on the field and try to open up that passing game a little more. All right. Well, you just got a lot of people very excited about that, especially the Goddard fans out there. I think, you know what I'll compare this to is it's kind of the Buccaneers. Obviously, look, for everybody out there that's about to lose their mind, no, <laughs> Zach Ertz is by far leaps and bounds better than Cameron Bray. But to your point, like when mm-hmm. O.J. Howard was there, O.J. Howard is the, the one of the reasons. And so you don't know this is what I was talking about. O.J. Howard coming out was like temper your expectations a little bit. He's so much of a terrific blocker that if mm-hmm. both are on the field and one is asked to block, he'll be the one asked to block. But to this point and why I think it's a decent comparison for people out there that might not understand or like to see this in their mind is that O.J. Howard still saw a lot of opportunities as a rookie because of what you're saying is there was actually a need at wide receiver. There was a need, and because of his blocking, he could be on the field in two tight end sets. So I'm with you. I think that I think Goddard is a very interesting piece to stash away. So let's talk about probably the most frustrating piece from a fantasy perspective <laughs> in Doug Peterson's life, and that's the running back situation because if anybody's ever played fantasy and has ever had Doug Peterson running backs on your team, you understand he is the definition of committee. Like you pull it up in the dictionary, there's Doug Peterson's face. I don't know if you knew this stat, but off the stat that I threw out last year, this actually comes from somebody else that I know in the industry, Mike Tagliere, threw out that the only running back he ever had with the Eagles to see 60% of the snaps or 60% of the touches in a game was Darren Sproles, and it only happened three times. So... Miles Sanders, since being drafted, has been on a roller coaster. For fantasy purposes, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but as soon as the draft was over, he jumped up to like running back 15, 16, 17, and I lost my mind. I said, you people are insane. But people were like, oh, it's different now. He's never had this guy. It was the same excuse people made for Ajayi last year. Then it's starting to come back down because he missed a little bit of time. And now, yesterday, we get the news that Miles Sanders himself admits he's going to be sharing touches. Where is this going? Are we going down another path of just avoid the backfield and you're going to be banging your head against the wall? Or mm-hmm. is Jordan Howard the sleeper? Hey, he might actually lead this backfield despite looking meh with the Bears. Or is it truly Miles Sanders and all this is just smoke and clouds and he is going to be the one to break the mold? Yeah, I think my answer is really going to frustrate you and, and fantasy <laughs> listeners, just like it's frustrated everybody here in the Delaware Valley. Um, first of all, let, let's... I think A will lead to lead to B here. Um, a is Doug Peterson may be the king of the running back committee, but I guarantee you, Jake, it is by default more than desire. <laughs> I, there is let me tell, I, there's not a head coach that I know of in the foot uh, in football, um, especially an offensive minded one who says I really want a running back committee. The problem is that since he's been here, they have never provided him with a three-down running back. They've given him some really good, specialized running backs who can do one or two things well, like Garrett Blunt, like Jay Ajayi, who didn't stay healthy. Corey Clement came out of nowhere to be a good third-down back. Sproles, good pass-catching, great pass-catching back, but not obviously a great runner on first and second down and can't touch the ball a lot. So the idea of Miles Sanders um, was to finally bring Doug Peterson a three-down running back, someone who showed at Penn State, not through production because he didn't catch the ball out there, but through athleticism, through twitchiness and everything that he could, you know, first of all, he ran a lot of inside and outside zone at Penn State, which is what the, the Eagles do, but someone who could develop into a great three-down running back at some point so that Doug doesn't have to have a running back committee. It's 
when you have a running back committee, you're telling the defense by your running back what you want to do. Oh, Jordan Howard's <laughs> right. out there. They're going to run, right? So trust me, he does not want to do this. It's just the, the position that he's been put in. So here's Miles Sanders. And unfortunately for Miles and the fans that you were talking about boosting him up, he had hamstring issues after rookie camp, and he missed all of the spring camps. So he's going to come to training camp so far behind the eight ball as far as catching the ball, route running, pass protection, blitz pickup, all that stuff. And so it's hard for me, unless he's a great learner and a quick learner, it's hard for me to believe he's really going to win this three-down job right out of camp and be the main ball carrier. If you want to gamble, draft him low and hope he develops into that. Or maybe he's the type of guy who, even in eight or nine touches as he starts off his career, makes the most out of it. You know, That's how LaShawn McCoy was when Brian Westbrook was the uh, starting running back, and they had drafted LaShawn right. McCoy, and he came in when Brian got hurt or needed a rest, and you could see right away, even on limited touches, he was going to be a very good player. So Dynasty League, I mean, if you believe in the offense and you believe in Doug Peterson and love all the weapons there, yeah, sure, I could see taking a, a, a flyer on Miles Sanders a little bit, you know, certainly not high, um, but, you know, for the potential of. But I would say buyer beware because he really did not prove much in the camps. And, at, again, at Penn State, he did not catch the ball on anything other than dump offs and you know maybe an occasional screen that really wasn't a part of it. It's more of a projection on the Eagles' part that they think he'll be able to do that. So I do say buyer beware on that. And one little tip I would give for you know maybe your PPR players or guys looking for a late um, steal is that after your two your three running backs, which are going to be Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and probably Corey Clement. They really don't have a guy at number four who you would say does what Doug Peterson wants. Like that pass-catching Swiss Army knife. They've got Josh Adams, who's a downhill runner. Wendell Smallwood, who's just always been You're okay. You're going to say Pumphrey, aren't you? No, I'm not even going to bring Donald Pumphrey into this discussion. <laughs> but Darren Sproles wants to come back and play, and he's been training. And when he's, as you mentioned, when he is on the team, Doug Peterson puts him out there a lot. And he is still twitchy, still explosive, and can make the most on – few touches. So I would keep a close eye on the developments of the Eagles running backs throughout camp. And there's a chance that they cut all of their bottom roster guys and then just bring Darren Sproles in to be their, you know, their third down back, their kick returner and everything that he's been for them in the past as a fourth running back. So that's where I was going to go real quick with the cuts. But before that, the other idea I want to throw out for you too, with the Miles Sanders and what I've been saying, I agree with you with is not even the Miles Sanders is try and draft him because he's going to go, somebody's going to take him before you, you should mm-hmm. is let somebody else draft him, get frustrated yes. in the first few weeks and then drop him, And then yeah. you go get him. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that's a really good, that's, that's probably a good tactic. So that that's, and so speaking of that, so the cuts and stuff like that, I think, um, it looks like Josh Adams might be out. Are there any like – so let's go that way. And this is just pure, pure as Eagles watching. Um, mm-hmm. If they relate to fantasy, that's fine. Are there there situations like the Josh Adams with the running backs? Uh, maybe Arcega Whiteside forces something to happen at wide receiver. Or maybe it's even something on the offensive line that can impact the game overall. But it seems like mm-hmm. for the majority – it seems like 95% of this roster is like locked up. Is there anything to really watch of cuts-wise that should interest us? Um, from a, a, yeah, I mean, I could talk about some offense. They're very deep on the offensive line, and there's a chance that a pretty good offensive lineman does get cut. But I mean, I don't know if that helps out from a fantasy perspective. But basically, they've got their fi- their starting five, which is you know Jason Kelsey at center. Uh, your left tackle is Jason Peters. Your left guard is Isaac Sayamalu. Your right guard is Brandon Brooks, assuming he comes back all right, free from injury. And your right tackle is Lane Johnson. Uh, they drafted Andre Dillard, 22nd overall. 
to be their future left tackle. So even if he doesn't play, he's going to be on the team. So that's six right there. And they brought Stefan Wisniewski back to be their backup center. He's a veteran. He started for them on the Super Bowl. So that's probably your seventh. And then you've got this kid, Jordan Maialata, who uh, people remember is, was a, a rugby player in Australia, never played football. They drafted him in the seventh round last year, and he played a few preseason games really well. And all of a sudden, everybody fell in love with him. And for good reason. He's an athletic freak of nature. Uh, you don't let those guys just go. So he'll probably be eighth. Uh, and then you've got Matt Pryor, who a kid that they drafted and really like. And he'll be battling for a job with Hala Pulavati Vaitai, who was a starter for them on the well Super done. Bowl team. So, I yeah, I know. How I, I how many, a lot of practice oh, on that. When they first got him, how many attempts did it take you for to get his name right? You know how, like, you can set your computer to, if you hit a button, it just pastes whatever word you have already <laughs> saved into it? Yeah, I was I was on that because I it was very, very we, – we actually – his nickname is Big V, and people, even reporters, have just just resign, resigned themselves to <laughs> typing Big V even on first reference in <laughs> stories for him. <laughs> but uh, you know it's, the state of offensive line play in the league is terrible, so it wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles were able to trade somebody at the end of camp, like a Big V or somebody else. Who I was going to say, I mean, there's pieces on the second line that are the pieces that could start elsewhere. Uh, to yeah. go back real quick, the Arcega Whiteside, any chance he pushes Aguilar from day one, or is he? So more that's been kind of the speculation because Aguilar, you know, is, has one year left on his deal, and they haven't extended him, and they're playing more two tight ends, so it reduces the role of the slot receiver in their offense and so that if there's a team that's willing to trade for Aguilar um, they'll do that I, I do believe they would do it especially if our Sega Whiteside has a good training camp knowing that you know he's a rookie anyway and you can integrate him and you'll play more two tight end offenses to you know and, and have to show him out there with Alshon Jeffrey uh, it's possible but the depth is really hard to at the same time if you're Howie Roseman you're thinking how you love your depth right now you can afford it you're under the cap so you probably have to be blown away or get a pretty good offer for Nelson Aguilar to then go ahead and trade him. It's definitely something to kind of watch as it develops over the summer. And this is how you know I can do these things and not be biased is because hey, look, NFL involves roster luck. You fall into this. But Roseman, to be what he's done with this roster and have still no cap issues, and as you just mentioned, like they – he deserves to be in the top five conversation. I hate to say it as, as well, again, I don't, I don't hate it as much as I used to five years ago, but I, I hate to say it. So actually speaking of the other people in the league real quick, uh, actually in this division, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of talk and I just get your thoughts, uh, you know, for obviously you said you, you do fancy as well. So your thoughts from watching in the division, we already made a joke about the Giants, but also there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of weeks where all of a sudden people are starting to poke holes in the outlook for Saquon Barkley this year, saying, you know, the offense might not even be top half of the league. And if so, he can only do so much. Eli Manning is still at quarterback. You mentioned they almost created their or probably have created their own problem in where is their deep threat now? Because their two top receivers are slot guys, one being forced to play outside more than he should in Sterling Shepard. He can succeed out there, but... He shouldn't be the number one on the outside to that all for all intents and purposes. So Saquon Barkley, just him as a whole, like if you're in your fantasy draft, would you take him number one? Do you think his outlook is bleak enough that he maybe disappoints altogether this year? Um, I think it's a little risky in that the quarterback might be Daniel Jones, um, the way they've been talking. And not oh Eli. Jeff, and real quick, <laughs> I fell out of my chair laughing when that happened because I initially, when my mock draft, I had them trading back up with their second pick to take Daniel Jones because I know the Giants and I know how crazy they are. Sure. When they took him at six, I, I just lost it. I was I was crying laughing on the floor. 
Yes, you and, and millions of people in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, certainly, no doubt. <laughs> well, I think so, they were just crying. They, the laughing wasn't there with them. <laughs> yeah, like kind of the insane cry. Like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is us. But I mean, either way, even if they have bad quarterback play, and I, and I will also say, you know, Pat Shermer was here in Philadelphia under Andy Reid when Brian Westbrook was one of the best two-threat, two-way running backs because he could line up in the slot and beat linebackers. I mean, Antonio Pierce, man, he used to waste him all the time running routes over the middle of the field. Well, if you now have Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate again lining up in the slot, are you limiting Saquon's ability to be flexed out there and catch passes? Maybe a little bit. I still think he's going to put up a sick number of yards because he's like Barry Sanders. You put the ball in his hand anytime, and he can give you a 60, 70-yard touchdown. So to me, he's still a top five guy. But I, I suppose there are some risks with the uncertain quarterback situation. And also, if they're going to just bleed him, you know, 30 carries, 40 touches, I should say, a game, you always have to be worried about the injury risk there. Yeah, uh, well, that's obvious, of course. I'm going to get this guy killed before they're even a contending team again. All right, right. so on the flip side, as more of a whole, is the Cowboys the most worrisome team in this division? I think that's I mean, the answer should be obvious. But, I mean, this, this offense looks completely different since they added Amari Cooper last year. Yeah, it really came to life. Uh, obviously, the it all starts for them with their offensive line because I think Dak is the type of quarterback who really, like most, but especially with him, needs that protection to – he likes to work the middle of the field a little bit more surgeon. Obviously, he was able to drive the ball a little more when Omari Cooper came around. But, yeah, so they get – Travis Frederick should be healthy this year. Zach Martin, everything was fine. Remember that last year they started off and they had to have a bunch of uh, – like Connor Williams – in there and and taking a, as a rookie because they had some issues on the offensive line, but things definitely changed for them when they got Cooper. I think Michael Gallup is a guy who can take a big step forward uh, this year. I thought he played played well as a rookie, and when you have Amari Cooper taking attention away on one side, you have Gallup who has a chance to make a lot of plays on the other side. So it's a good offense, and obviously their defensive line is their strength. It's always been. Uh, we'll see it because I know that Tank Lawrence uh, had a surgery this offseason, so we'll see how he comes back. But they're secondary, also very good. So they're they definitely the – to me, it should be an Eagles-Cowboys horse race for the division, and the Giants and Redskins are just still trying to figure <laughs> themselves out. Uh, I would 100% agree with you. So let's do that. We'll get you out of here on this, and this is kind mm -hmm. of part of what you do as well. So, again, make sure you're following Jeff at Jeff Mosher NFL. Make sure you check out his Patreon and check out the podcast. All in all, like the, the billions of things he does, make sure you're checking all that out. But <laughs> let's do a little bit of some over-unders before we get out of here. There's only a few that are officially out, but the ones that aren't, I'm going to give you some of the projections I have, and you can tell me over-under, and you can basically tell me if I'm wrong or not when it comes to the Eagles. But – the NFL line that we already have is Carson Wentz over under 42.50 and a half passing yards. You taking the over or the under? Oh, I'm going to take the over on that. I'm with you. Because I, I think how? Carson's going to be top three in the league in, in passing, if not you know, the MVP. I think he's going to have that kind of a year. So you're telling me I'm too low if I have him at 12th is what you're telling me. Uh, tw QB 12? Yeah, I would say that's a little low. <laughs> okay. So uh, Drew Brees in front of him, he's passing Drew Brees. Russell Wilson, he's, he's leaping those guys. Uh, well, Russell, you got to factor in the, the the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns and everything like that. But, I mean, I don't, I don't, you can't compare the weapons that, that Russell has around him to what Carson Wentz has around him. No, yeah. obviously, <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> or the offensive line. There's a lot of issues there. All right, so – this is funny, and I, I legitimately, because you know this, I sent you the message. For everybody out there, I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. uh, the over-under 
because I said I told you I was going to look these up yesterday and send them to you. The over under for his touchdowns is 30 and a half. My projections are 30 and a half. So I guess I'm pushing. Are you taking the over or under on that? On 30 and a half, three zero and a half. Yep. Yeah, I would again. I'd take the over. I have he had 33 uh, in 2017 in 13 games, so he would have probably hit 40 that year. And I'll go back and say this is a better offense than the, that potentially than the one from 2017. So I, I would take the over on 30 and a half. I know that's it's a fair. risk because of the injuries. I, I think that's the only to me that is the only deterrent from him not getting that number. Injury. I, I would agree with you on that one. And, and for everybody out there that doesn't know, or I think they assume and they know, the rankings when it, and projections are a little bit conservative. Like my highest passing touchdowns is 37 for Andrew Luck. And look, that's somebody's, mm-hmm. there's going to be at least two or three people that probably hit or get over 40. But that's just, right. that's what projections are. They're, you know, they're, they're inherently a little bit conservative. All right, before we do some more players, this division, the Eagles are nine and a half wins. You're gonna take the over. You're gonna you're gonna say they're they're taking this division. Yeah, I mean, they, they, listen, this is with them and the Cowboys. The, the Eagles could win ten, and the Cowboys could win eleven and and win it. But um, I do think that they are they're both good at over nine. Okay, so then the Cowboys are at eight and a half. So you tell me that is that the is that the more appealing bet of the two? Is the eight and a half on the Cowboys then? I would. The only reason I'd say no is because they tend to really regress whenever they have an injury like remember when tyron smith got hurt a couple of years ago and then they just completely (laughs) went in the tank and he's a little bit older like they don't have as i don't think they have the same amount of depth uh at a lot of positions as the eagles do so if and injuries are an inevitable part of the game and if the cowboys have a couple it's going to really be very detrimental to them okay that's a good point it does seem like one person gets hurt and this team falls apart yeah all right six and a half wins for the giants Oh man, under. Uh, I don't know who's starting quarterback. I get some people would say that doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'd probably say under. <laughs> I like gonna, I, you know what? I get scared of them. Sometimes I think that they're just going to surprise everybody and win like nine games. But who? I, I can't. I wouldn't bet money on that. <laughs> you've seen. You've seen the roster. You know. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know who All they're right, going to rush the passer with. They're going. Yeah. They're going to have a, one of the worst defenses that, that known to man. Well, just like last year, so it's, it's oh yeah. no! But supposedly they got fifteen thousand good corners now, so we'll 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 see how that works out. Sure. It's all projection at this point. So last one, obviously, the Redskins five and a half. You know, interestingly, as bad as I, I don't know what to expect from Haskins, but I, I like what they've done defensively. But they have no weapons. Uh, was it five and a half? Yeah. That's Man, a I tough got, number, I go isn't under. it? It's, I, I it sounds still think so I disrespectful, go but it's a yeah, tough it number. Yeah, really is. But I, I, I gotta go under. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Don't worry. There's not a lot of Redskins fans that listen to this show. I'm only located in Virginia. It's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, over under. So now I'm gonna. This is this is these are my projections now. So I'm kind of uh-huh. curious what you say, and you can pick either number here because Miles Sanders I have for 863 rushing yards, 1154 total yards. Uh, I would go under on the on both of those. Ooh, so all right, so I'm still too high on Miles Sanders. All right, so then let's. It's funny because I'm a I'm a Penn State alum and huge are fan, you? and most of my followers know that, and they are shocked when I dare even be try to be a little bit of objective on Miles Sanders. Yeah, 
oh, I, I like you so much more now. For three, <laughs> so for three straight years, like my, my thing was stop ignoring Penn State wide receivers because it was Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Deshaun Hamilton, which everybody on the show knows I call Bayshon Hamilton. That's how much I like him. So ah, I, I love him too, I, yes. This is this is terrific. So this is uh, now it's complete sidebar time real quick. So uh -huh. I played in a fantasy league last year that had kickers and I didn't know that going in. I refused to play with kickers and I pl I left my spot empty the entire season. I did not use a kicker the entire season. I went <laughs> 12 and one, I get to the championship game, the championship week. If you remember Sunday night or Monday night football, one of the two was uh -huh. Oakland and Denver. And uh -huh. I was down by 15 points. And somebody's like, you got to put, you got to get a kicker now. And I said, no, I'll lose. I will lose before I put a kicker in. It didn't matter because Deshaun Hamilton scored me enough to help me win that game. So now I have a jersey of Deshaun Hamilton. Somewhere the, the God of no kickers was smiling on you that day and said, <laughs> Jake is going to show the rest of the world how irrelevant kickers are. That's, that's incredible. See? See, I do you applaud go. your conviction, by the way. That that's difficult. <laughs> it just it shows my talent. Uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, Jordan Howard, then five hundred rushing yards. That's actually I got it five hundred on the news. Yeah, I would take the over on that. Not a whole lot over. If you put it at five fifty, I may not, but I would take the over on five. Okay. How about Alshon Jeffrey, nine hundred one receiving yards from from before? It sounds like that might even be aggressive. Um. Man, that's that's a good one. Uh, Alshon at nine hundred. Again, <laughs> if you set that at nine fifty, I probably would take the under, but I probably would go <laughs> the over on nine hundred. So nine hundred twenty-five is right around what we're saying here. For yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about how about this? Seven touchdowns for him. Hmm. Since he's been in Philadelphia, he has not had – he's had nine touchdowns and six. So Yes. That's um, – yeah, you know what? I, I think seven. Wait, you said seven? Yep. Man, that's a push yeah. to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm staying away from it. If I had <laughs> to, because I think – I believe in the offense, I would say over. And you just – you know, he, he pilfers a bunch of red zone touchdowns. But – uh. Uh, yeah, if I had to, gun to my head, I would take the over on it. All right, then, so two more. Uh, Zach Ertz is just, who cares? It's 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. It, like, if you, over, mm -hmm. under, it's it's a terrific season. So, yeah, Dallas Goddard, am I too low? 378 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I think you're too low on that. I think he had more okay. than 300 last year. If, if, if I'm not mistaken, he had 330, something along the lines last yeah, year. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm legitimately concerned about everybody being healthy and it's yeah. back to the three wide to what you brought up but maybe that like hey I, this is why i'm having you on this because you know more covering the team than i do so dallas goddard up yeah yeah over that i would take the over okay then here's the last one for you and you just tell me you could just say the entire line whether you like it or not we've done enough over and unders my entire line for deshaun jackson is 50 receptions 770 receiving yards and six touchdowns oh man those are good Okay, that's um, that, that's all I want to know. Is that's, that's good. That's that's what I wanted to hear. Give me, so you're give me that me I one should more be like time. An odds maker in Vegas. Yeah, give me that one more time. Seven hundred seventy sixty yards. Seven hundred seventy. So fifty receptions, uh -huh. seven hundred and seventy receiving yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, this is that's a good one, because that would be about fifteen yards a catch for Deshaun. Yeah. Uh, right up there, and is that you know what? Those are good numbers. Those are good numbers. Thumbs up, that puts him as wide receiver 40 for projections-wise. And half-point yeah. PPR for everybody out there. So worthy to be back on your roster and somebody you trust again. Uh, before I let you go, Jeff, once sure. again, 
because there's 17 things. Mm-hmm. Make sure everybody knows all of those things, including your All In podcast, where they can follow you, including your Twitter handle, all that stuff, because I want to make sure people find out all the information they want when it comes to the Eagles and more. You got it. I appreciate it. It's, um, you, first of all, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and um, I, Instagram, all at Jeff Mosher NFL. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast service that you platform that you use to my Inside the Birds podcast with Adam Kaplan. And also the All In podcast is uh, on my SoundCloud. You can get that from my, my Twitter account. And uh, you can hear me on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, download the app. Uh, great listen. We have great programming on that, mostly Philadelphia sports, but we uh, definitely branch out to you know national, NFL, baseball, everything like that. And follow my Eagles coverage on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher. It is a $1.99 charge. That's like six cents a day, a day for every month. And I donate <laughs> a portion of it to the Wounded Warrior Project. Oh, that's terrific. That's awesome to hear. And plus, everybody out there and listening knows how great Jeff Mosher must be because the name of his podcast is All In. So he's a, he's a friend. He's immediate friend. He's immediate genius. So make sure you follow him. <laughs> And I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I'll be back next Wednesday, as always, everybody. I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate when you guys give these guests a good listen and a follow. So thank you. Have a good week. I'll see you next week.